If you can stop talking for 10 seconds, that would be fantastic. You want to hit the start timer on there? You want to hit... You want to start podcasting, genius? Good evening. Welcome to the affirmative action portion. I didn't do it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. I'm Joe. So, Joe, I told you a few weeks ago. Uh, I was out in the lovely shitty of Worcester doing an open mic. And I'm going to say in the seven months that I've been, you know, going through this midlife crisis, I've probably been out to Worcester to five, maybe six different places, at least five to six different places, a total of maybe 25 times. It's as we talked, I'm so happy that Lowell has a scene and I found other places Worcester's okay. It's not my favorite place. It's not the most inclusive place when it comes to comedy. Uh, so depending on the place you go, I just stopped going to some places because it was too much proud boy light punching down, just using words that in 2023 don't fly anymore. You know, in fact, a lot of the words that they use don't fly as of like the new millennia, like the year 2000. I'm sitting there at this place uh, called Blackstone, and my friend Ian Sargent is hosting this mic. And Ian is one of the funniest guys I know. I absolutely he's, – he's a sweetheart of a man. He's also one of the best hosts. He's a funny guy. I love his cadence. He hasn't been doing comedy that long, but he has a real veterans kind of vibe to him. And the mic had already started, and in walks this other comic. And – the hush fell around the room of of royalty had entered the building. I I've been doing comedy, like I said, seven months, probably between Boston, Worcester, you know, Lowell, Manchester, New Hampshire, maybe 20 different places. I've not seen this guy. And so I'm like, oh, OK, well, you know, he's a friend of one of these guys. A couple of these guys have done a mic. And there was this buzz of. I can't believe he is here. And it was one of those nights where I had time and I wasn't going anywhere. I had gone on first or second. And this guy doesn't go up to like 15th. And I'm not saying the room was dead at that point, but it wasn't the most lively room I've seen. He gets up there. He says nine words, nine words, everybody including me, either if you were drinking a beverage at the time, you did a spit take or you just fell off your chair. And within those nine words, two short sentences, I'm like, okay, I get why there was such a buzz that this guy, you know, joined the fray. I'm not going to say what his joke was. I'm just going to say it was one of those few times I ran home and I instantly told the wife, you, 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 I wish you were there. 
you know, because I, I, in a million years, I would not make her go to an open mic. In a billion years, I would not drag her to, you know, to Worcester to see an open mic. But in this case, I told her what this gentleman said, and she instantly started laughing because not only was it just a funny line, it was such a true statement. And honestly, it was, it was, it, 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 it made me say, okay, I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to check him out. And I started following him on Instagram, not in person. I don't need another restraining order. I can't go to another court date. I hate putting on a suit. This man, I, I can't confirm this, but I believe holds the Instagram record for most posts in a day. He, he also holds the most posts for an hour, and he is a walking embodiment of Stuart Smalley from Saturday Night Live. All of his posts are so affirming, are so positive. In, in a world of nothing but one nut kick after the next, uh, the toxicity of social media, he is fighting a one-man battle to remind you, yep, everything around you sucks, but you matter so you get up and you keep going forward. Um, it's all that stuff. It's it's uh, it's all that you know. Hey, you know uh, uh, if you're you know giver. If you're a giver, know your limits because takers don't have them. And you know you're one of those special people. It's like, and it's every time I see his post, uh, he also seems to walk in many different worlds, which we will get into. So I know it's been a long-winded um, introduction, my friend yeah. Biff. My no, friend Biff would have cut me off. Ten minutes. <laughs> Biff would have cut me off five minutes ago. With that said, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Lloyd Legacy Sharp. Hello, Lloyd. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having me aboard. Um, you live up to the title. Like, 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 like <laughs> when you were introduced, I thought, I thought, my friend, you know. Um, Ian Sargent was just being kind when he when he said like legacy sharp and I'm like oh okay well that's that's a that's a a weighty a weighty title to bestow on somebody <laughs> but you lived up to it uh, Lloyd you, again welcome to the show tell everybody who you are and how you got to be where you are in comedy oh boy uh, how do we surmise this in under an hour um. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Lloyd, quote, Legacy Sharp. Um, quick side note about that nickname for those inquiring minds. In 2003, I started doing music because in 2003, my mother passed away and I needed a way to try to deal with that without doing the intaking of some form or another for those who are listening, drugs or alcohol. So I chose music which I had no idea what I was doing, but I had, you know, if you got to do music, you need a name. So one day I'm playing NBA ballers on the original Xbox because I am that old. And one of my creative characters, one of the options for his name was as the end game announcer shouted out, legacy. <laughs> so I'm like, that's the name. That's the name. I didn't even use that name for my creative character in the game. That was just one of the options. And I'm like, that's my music name. Now, somewhere between 04 and 05, as I started to try to do independent music, people that either I knew, some of my family, and even people that I just met along the way, they started calling me Legacy. 
without me like telling them, I, I'm like, you know, I'm Lloyd. I'm Legacy's my rap name, but you know, I'm Lloyd to you, or but they just started calling me Legacy by, like of their own volition. So it's a name that started the track, and it's a name that followed me throughout and long after I stopped doing music. So around 2007, since everybody just was calling me this, I'm like, all right, I need something that ties this to me in a way that isn't just a nickname. Like if people are going to call me this, this is going to stick. Like many things I do or I have done that I never meant for it to become a thing and it just catches on organically. I'm like, all right, I'm going to give myself an acronym. That way, even if I'm not doing music anymore, which four years later I wasn't, but even if I'm not doing music anymore, this will still be synonymous with me in a way that I'm okay with people calling me it. So the acronym I gave to myself as legacy is love ever growing as contempt yields. See what I said about the positivity show that he puts out? He he can't go to even even in his stand up. He just so, you know, he, he and I'm going to bring up a couple of the bits that I've seen him do where, you know, it, it's a rain shower of just, you know, life finding a way to, you know, make awful things happen around you and he finds that you know the 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 uh, silver lining in there uh but let's let's stick with comedy first of all yeah I, I just want to get that nickname thing out of the way for, for no it's I, I but you li- however you got the mantle when i heard it i'm like well you know that's a lofty thing and and yeah. you know halfway through the set i'm like yep he deserves that title oh. i i get it because like i said the the room lit up the when you walked in it was like watching watching a christmas tree turned on you know it's like even i couldn't believe everyone. it i was taken, i was taken aback by that i'm like i'm, I'm everybody's like everybody, everybody like this is like it's like CM Punk coming back in 2021. Like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> but, but you know, let's flash forward. It's two months later. Uh, I see you in Watertown, and it's the same thing. And and that day in Watertown, I I wasn't planning on staying for the whole thing because uh, my buddy Casey and I we had done a mic in Lawrence at this place called One Broadway Collaborative. It's an it's a mid afternoon mic. And Casey had never been out to Watertown. I was getting for a big. I was getting ready for a big book show, that was a fifteen minute set last week. And I'm like, I gotta hit as many mics. Let's drive the hour out there. And I said, you know, uh, we'll go on second, third, third, fourth, stay for five or six people because I'm big on. I gotta stay for four or five, five or six people just to be supportive to the community. And ended up being like twenty five people. You walked in. Probably one person before we were going to leave. And I'm like, well, we're fucking staying. So buckle <laughs> up. And, and, and I'm going to get to the bit that you did. But I'm like, and even Casey's like, the drive home is like, okay, I get it. I get why you want to wait around. Not, yeah. not, not just to be nice and supportive of this very sweet man, but because he's worth it. The funny was well worth the hours sitting there through the other, like, you know, 10 comics extra before you went up. But it's the same thing. When you walked in, that room is like, oh, Lloyd's here. Lloyd's here. You know, it's like, Leopold, Leopold, <laughs> Leopold, you know. Uh, and, and, and so when, did you start comedy? So I started doing comedy in 2016. And the weird thing about, and this is always a weird trajectory because like I, people would be, people who know me now or have only met me in like the last maybe four years would be surprised at how my first couple of years of comedy went. Because first of all, 
I just went to the Winter Circle in Salisbury, Massachusetts, which is the Tuesday open mic. I went there to support my friend Jay DeMille, who is also a comic, who I met them before I started doing comedy. Like I, I, they were just, I met them during a time period of my life where kind of after I had separated from some really horrible people and horrible times, which is another story for a different segment. But that's when I met them and they were just going to the winter circle and I'm like, all right, I'll come along. I had never been to an open mic before that. I never, I knew comedy existed. Like I knew, you know, we've had, we've had, you know, CK and Cook and all these people you know, come out of Boston, you know, uh, also John Panette, not mentioned enough as a Boston comic, but I know that we all have had, I, I knew, I knew Boston comedy was a thing. I had no idea there was a local independent scene. I was just going to see my friend do comedy. And so I'm sitting there watching Jay do comedy, Dave Rat, a combination of Dave Radigan and Josh Day is kind of how I ended up on stage because I, I'm, I'm in the crowd enjoying the show as I do when I'm not on stage. And again, I just, I was a fan. I, I'm not a comedian at that point. I'm just supporting Jay Demille. Dave Radigan comes over to me. And I mean, I think him and Josh were talking. Dave ends up coming over to me and saying, you know, you got a lot of good energy, kid. You want to, you want to give that a try? You want to, want to go up there or something? I'm like, no, no, I'm not here for that. I'm just, just here to support Jay. I'm just here to watch Jay. I'm not here to, you know, I'm just here, here, here just to watch. Are you sure you don't want to go up? Cause you got a lot of good energy. You got to, you're very supportive. You, you seem to really like this. You want to go up? I'm like, no, I don't want to go up there. I'm just here to support Jay. The other comments are fine. I'm just here to support Jay. Well, we signed you up. You're up next week. What? <laughs> and that's how I became a comedian. Um, how many times do you think you were at the mic before you got up? That once. Just the once. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's the energy you bring to your room. Okay. We're going to sidebar. Josh Day. Now, how tall are you, are, 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 are you Lloyd? I am billed. At six one. Okay, and your shoulder span is about six two. I mean, like Lloyd is a big man. Uh, Josh Day is a very big man too. Yes or no? Josh Day has the most majestic head of hair you've yes. ever seen in your life. Yes, uh, it's if if not the most, definitely top three. <laughs> I, well, okay. Where does Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings? Oh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, first of all, uh, Joe, this guy Josh is is a hilarious guy. I mean, he is he's he is our you know like with Lloyd, he's that rung or two up from you know where me you know, and a lot of you know our friends are. Um, but he does. Uh, He's a funny guy, so I don't want to make him. It's just a tear. But the first time I saw him, he does. He looks like a character out of Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings. He's he's as tall and as wide, you know, just a shoulder span like of Condor um, and just hair. So, yeah, the Winter Circle, I've, I've heard about that place. I haven't got out. Like, it's funny because everything's an hour from here. But, mm -hmm. but like, there's some things that are an hour from here that's like, well, I'll go 45 minutes to Manchester, but I do I want to go the hour to Salisbury. And and, and that's a mic I'm going to hit. So you, yeah. you get up there the next week. How did that mm. – did you prepare? Did you wing it? Were you nervous? How was that first time going from I'm here to support my friend, you know, to, hey, I'm an open mic comic? Yeah, uh, quite the segue. <laughs> um, so the answer to all the questions you just asked is yes. Uh, I, again, what's a punchline setup? I, I don't know any of this. So 
like, all right, I'm going to challenge is laid down. I'm going to go up there. So what I did was I went back and I tried, I, I found, I found three years were, I think three or more years of a collection of stuff that I had wrote on Twitter <laughs> up to that point, back when Twitter was just like 140 characters. So like things that are short enough to pass as a joke, if it's intended to be funny. And I just, I, I scoured through at least I want to say, I don't know, a couple hundred of tweets that I had, because I've only been on Twitter since like, since 2000, I mean, 2016 and 2010, 2016 is a long time, but like compared to how long Twitter has been around and my, and the fact that it wasn't the, the, the platform I use the most, not relatively much, but I went through everything I had ever posted on there and I just tried to find things that sounded funny to me. Um, and then I tried to just like, I took them and I, I printed them out and I tried to compile like maybe 11 of them, 11 tweets that were kind of funny into some semblance of a set. And I just, I, I, I went over it like three, four or five times, like in, in the days leading up after I printed it out, I, I went up, I went over all 11 tweet, tweets in a certain order, uh, just several, several, several times trying to remember it, trying to memorize it. I didn't completely memorize it. I actually put, I actually put some notes on my arm and taped it up, taped it on my arm <laughs> and then just rolled my sleeve over it, which you can look at notes and notes. I didn't know that you could look at notes and open mic. I, again, I had never done open mic at this point, but I, like, I, I didn't know that. So that's how I did it the first time. And, uh, it, nervous, very, um, I think it went well. Uh, I was invited back to try it again. Dave thought if there was something there. You know, it's funny because I'm. Uh, this is now the second time we've had a guest in the last couple months uh, of somebody I'm a fan of, uh, Paul Paul Bort, who we had on, who also I think the first mic that he went to up in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire, Josh was hosting, and mm. after the first time he went up said, "Hey." Come back next week, you know. Mm. So, and the first time I saw him, I didn't know who he was. He did the, the open mic at the safe, just you know, another Yahoo like us going up there. And uh, but the same thing, he had this really positive coming over and talking to people um, and being encouraging. So, so it's good to hear that that's you know how he is. So the second time up, uh, how much how much more composed or, or ready were you, or was it actually harder the second time going up? Honestly, it didn't get easier until 2018. My first two years was a blitz burn because, again, I had some people, like my second time going up, I knew, I understood the structure of what, of what a five minute set, the light, you know, watch for the light, that kind of thing. But my first two years can be summed up as, how can you put it? Potential, but no substance. Because again, I had no idea what I mean. Some people, when they're going to, some people walk into an open mic for the first time, they know that they don't know how to be funny yet, or they don't know what, but they know that that's what they're going to do. Like they've, they're somewhat engaged in the mindset of, okay, I am going to this place to do comedy and I'm going to this place to learn about it. Like I literally walked in as a fan and was told to perform. So I was learning as I went. And along the way, there was these veterans up there who were giving me, less than good advice because between 2016 and 2017 
the the thing that people said about Lloyd was on stage. He has great stage presence. He knows how to get up there and make people take note that he's up there, but the writing is just not there. And I can go back and watch like, you know, DVDs from that, but they record DVDs for you at the Winter Circle. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was nice. So I, I go back and I watch, you know, footage from that time and I go back and I listen to recordings. And yeah, I, because I had no idea how to write jokes as somebody who did not intend to write anything when I first came there, I had all of the theatrical presence that I that I brought with me from, you know, years of doing other things like, you know, this whole Michael Jackson thing is is, is, is a big deal. And I've been doing that since 1995. So I'm not I know how to perform in front of a, an audience, but like telling jokes was foreign. And then you have these old heads who are like, you know, maybe what will help you is if you try to go for less punchlines and tell more of a story, which again, in hindsight, that's ridiculous, especially for a new comic who is trying to find his first five minutes. One of the greatest comics and worst human beings of all time, Bill Cosby. <laughs> yeah. Obviously when it comes to storytelling and making you laugh, even when there's no punchline break, you know, he's he, as a comedian, I, I, I have a hard time separating the art from the artist based on what I know now. But like as a comedian, unless you are that great of storyteller, you do not tell a comic who's trying to find his first five minutes less punchlines, more story. <laughs> because I followed that advice because I didn't know any better. And what ended up being the case was I ended up just writing, trying to find a punchline. And it would take me it would take me four minutes to get to a punchline in a five minute set. And so that was the case for about two years. There was one night in 2017 where I kind of, I had a moment where I was talking about Fox and CNN. And that was kind of like, a, I, I think the, the joke was like, the joke actually is on, it's on Instagram. The joke was uh, basing your entire information palette on Fox News and CNN is like calling a pizza place and saying, oh yeah, I'd like an order of information, uh, extra bullshit, hold the truth and trying to watch the facts and reality intake, thank you. <laughs> and that was the first joke I had wrote written in my entire two first two years and somebody actually point like Mike McDonald um actually pointed to that to that moment and said that is the most like you I've ever heard I've heard you do a lot of stuff up there that sounds like you were trying to come from somewhere that you're being told to come from I'm going to give you some advice and this is Mike McDonald like he's veteran performed all over the world, has performed along, alongside people like John Panette, like, like, you know, freaking Bill Burr and people like that. He, like, I, I see, there's a video of him on YouTube with John Panette at Nick's Comedy Stop. Like, it's, it's insane. So I'm going to, I'm going to listen to this guy because this guy has yet to give me advice. He's like, people can tell you, advise you on whether or not you're funny, or they can advise you on whether or not you suck. But either way, nobody can tell you how to go up there and do it as yourself. Did you say Mike Donovan? Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, no, Not because from the Doobie Brothers, by the way. It's a different <laughs> yeah. Which Doobie you be? Uh, which so is that my... was the greatest. That was the greatest advice I ever got, and that kind of factored into what happened in 2018. But 
I've talked enough. I'll let you. No, no, because this is why we have you on, because I love to find out. I mean, everybody's story has so many similar moments in it, but at the same time, a different arc. And I always love the, I can do this. I'm thinking about doing this too actually doing it like like you know right. what i mean like and we all lose our virginity at one point i know it's such a cliche thing to compare so, uh, but speak it... for yourself by the way <laughs> hey you you keep plugging away joe you'll get there you'll you'll you'll, you'll find a victim Thanks, someday <laughs> hey not not everybody can run as fast as the rest of them um hey i'm, I'm three years away from tying the 40 old version record so i'm right there with you <laughs> so and that's not a joke it is a joke, but it's also true. <laughs> but but it is. It's it's um I, I, I love these stories. Now, when do you think you got to where you are? And let me tell people where Lloyd is right now. Lloyd, the last time I saw him in person, had a five minute set, and two minutes of his set, he didn't say a goddamn word not one and this is the worst thing to talk about on a podcast because it's so visual but i told lloyd or i didn't tell lloyd i talked to lloyd afterwards that joe and i if if you think of the uber of comedy that we love that we live for and and lloyd joe and i get together and we like we just watched an episode of tonight show from 1962 that jerry lewis hosted i mean when i say we go back you know to that kind of comedy and, and across the board but bob newhart is one of our go-to favorite guys and so much of what bob newhart did as you and i talked that night doesn't it's all just reacting to what other people said and you were telling a story and i don't know how deep you want to get into it if you want to mention if you like to save your stuff for in person but you're telling this incredibly funny yet horrific situation you're in mm-hmm. and to which somebody says something that is so insane and hard to put into words that for two minutes you're pantomiming trying to come to grips that a human being has said this to you and you start to retort you start to say something back and you stop yourself and you can see yourself rethinking about how to reapproach it. And that went on for two minutes where you're five minutes set, you don't say anything for two minutes, and yet the room was on the floor. Like there was 30 people in that small room at Donovan's in Watertown, and every one of them across the board was just, every time you start to talk and you rethought about it, and you made a different face and your body, you know, your, your stance changed, your posture, you know, either, you know, just drooped or whatever. And you went from being angry at this man to confused by this man to feeling bad for this man to being angry at him. You took us on a roller coaster ride without saying anything. And, and that's a level of comfort that I don't know how many performers on the national circuit would be able to hold an audience in their hand for two minutes without saying anything. How did you get to that point? Oh man. Um, First of all, thank you. Um, secondly. Yeah. So 2018. Um, that was kind of my breakout year. What, what what Demetrius Hollum, aka Big D, here in Boston calls this called the summer of legacy. <laughs> um, 
in April of 2018. Now, here's a this isn't as crucial to the story, but it does play a part because I wasn't always a sentimental favorite to the community that I am now. Uh, there was a time where people didn't buy. Well, I don't want to say it and buy it because I was who I was. And apparently there aren't people like me offstage in the Boston comedy community. So yeah, I walk around super with, nice. <laughs> yeah, apparently uh, nice, you know, vocally speaking out against, you know, against speaking out in favor of women, which I've been doing since 1999. It's just something I do. And like, so people, a lot of people were like, yeah, I like this kid. You know, he's cool. But a lot of people were kind of, I don't know about that guy. Like, you know, people, people like him, they, they're hiding. Something. And I, I get that. Like, honestly, if I hadn't been around me for the past 25 years, I wouldn't trust me either. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been around me long enough to know that, that there's been, there has been no, there, like, I know, I know there's no switch coming, but they didn't know that. And a lot of people, and I'll, I also spent more time advocating for other people than I did myself. And I'm like, Oh, they're pretty funny. They're pretty funny. You know, you know, what? no, don't, don't, I'm not going to nag. I'm not going to, not going to, bother like people took what i was doing just being myself as either lying or trying to gain favor for for extra extra opportunities that i never asked for which is how they eventually warmed up basically i was not having the best time as a boston comedian in 2018 and in april 2018 i said the hell with all this i'm done listening to this person and that person and this person and that person i'm gonna start speaking the way i want to speak and I'm just going to see, and hopefully that'll work. I've been told how to talk. I've been told what cadence to use. I've been told how to, how to, how to kind of construct myself as far as on stage joke telling. I'm just going to go up there and be myself once. And if it works, I'm going to go with it. Fuck all of you. And so I did that at Jock's Cabaret in April of 2018. Sarah Francis, who is a beyond the business friend of mine who's no longer doing comedy, but we're still, we're still friends. We still talk. And Laura Burns, who was at the time a comedian and a booker. And I think she's trying to come back now, but we, they, they were there. They, they were the, they were the first who were kind of there when I started this, saw this transformation. So I had this whole set planned around like my anger at Boston comedy and the gist of the premise. And this is kind of where I, this is where I went. This is where I transformed into the performer that I am now. Because I went up there and I was just, I was very, like, there was no trying to be funny or trying to, to appeal. This, this was just me going up there and speaking. And the, the, the general layout of the set was me saying, I thought I could find peace and harmony in the Boston comedy community. But no, I'm apparently stupid AF. Hmm. And. Yep, no, I, 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 wonder, I get that. I see that, you know. <laughs> And so as it continued, exactly. And as it continued, I said, and this is where I actually, I actually wrote this. This is the first time that I actually wrote something in the form of, if I was going to write a joke, how would I write it? And this is the first time I actually did that. Aside from that CNN Fox thing, and that, that's, which is kind of easy. And you can make fun of CNN and Fox and get half the room on your side either way. But I wrote this because of what I was feeling at the time. And it went on like this. I'm like, so the reason why, and I had taken like a couple of weeks off because I was so mad about everything. And I'm like, and I came back and I was oh, Lloyd's coming back. You know, check him out. And so the reason why I've been gone a couple of weeks, as I said that night, is because let's just say that uh, I go into a restaurant and I order 
uh, I order, I order something and they don't bring me what I ordered. Instead, they give me uh, enough. And then on the side of this enough, they bring me uh, a double side order of enough. And so what I'm basically trying to tell you is that I've been gone for two weeks because I had had more than enough of Boston comedy. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, Joe and I were in L.A. in the early the, the mid to late 90s. And I, one of the things we, we, we did sketch comedy together. You know, I, I, I'm still in a rock band and we were really looking forward to doing stand up. I ended up meeting and becoming friends with a guy who's still a huge national guy. Um, but most of the comics that were doing this were so miserably unhappy that they would no, they wouldn't want to talk or have anything to do with you. The, the light switch went on as they were walking to the mic being handed, you know, the microphone from the host. And as they're not quite off stage, but they've already handed the host back, they do their five minutes, their 10 minutes, their 15 minutes and kill. And that light switch gets turned off and they're back to being miserable pricks. And it's like, this isn't, this isn't fun. It was yeah. just, and it's like, and in the scene that's going on now, it's I. There are some places I've been where where that is still a thing. It's mm-hmm. look. It's the way it is. There's some people, like I said, I've gone to some mics and there's been some nice guys whose their stuff is just so outdated. It's so Andrew Dice Clay, Sam Kinison, you know, misogynistic. And and look, fan of Andrew Dice Clay. You know, fan of Sam Kinison at the time. Post mm-hmm. Me Too. Post Times Up. Post having kids, you know, post, mm-hmm. you know, uh, being an uncle to two mid 20, like the most amazing young women in my life. It's like, that's who's in my head when I'm thinking of certain things. And I'm like, no, you know, mm-hmm. um, but, but just that. And it's like, yeah, I, uh, that <laughs> I've had enough that dude, that's a hilarious spit. And how was that received when you're like, yeah, I'm not putting up with your bullshit. How, how, how was that received? So that set was pretty much the trans the, the the turning point from the comic that I was my first two years to the comic I am now, because it was the first time that I went on stage and spoke as much in the reflection of myself as I had up to that point. And I mentioned Sarah and Laura earlier. Uh, Sarah said something to the effect of, "That's that wasn't Lloyd we just saw up there. That 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 was somebody different." And then Laura said, "No, no, Sarah, that was Lloyd, but with the volume turned up." And so, which is, which, which ironically is exactly the way that people used to describe characters from the, from the Attitude Era, just themselves with a the volume turned up, the Attitude Era, someone else hasn't, hasn't aged well. But like, as far as characters speaking and being themselves, that night was pretty much the catalyst for the writer and the performer that I became. Because I was always afraid to go up there and because naturally in real life, I'm a ball of energy who speaks a mile a minute. And that can work against you on stage where you're supposed to not speak over the laughter and make sure you have a moment to have things register. By this point, between April and May, when I started writing to my style, because at this moment, everybody was kind of, they were, nobody hated that bit. But they were, but they were shocked that I was, because again, this is not the performer that I had been for the past two years. They just saw somebody who had all the presence and none of the jokes. 
this is the first time anybody saw me be as close to the version of myself that I am off stage, on stage. And they were like, why hasn't he been doing this? this whole that was the main thing he was like, why hasn't he been doing this this whole time? That worked. That was good. Why hasn't he been doing this since he first started? That, that's, that's him. That's Lloyd. And so when I realized that it worked, I started writing to my style. I started writing to that, to the style I did that night. And as far as the performer I am now, the jokes that I come up with, the, the cadence, the beat pausing, which that joke you mentioned about the, 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 the Connecticut story, there's, a, there's another, there's, another, there's, another there's, a, there's a story about from, from, um, from, from the Frolic and Detour Mike in, 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 uh, in Acton, where that, that you, two minutes without speaking, that happened in Acton the first time, um, where like literally, I think it was uh, uh, Jeff Keown was was hosting, and I think uh, Nick Hahn was there. Uh, I think I think Paul Borick was there as well. Uh, Connor Connor Ryan Ferguson was there. A lot of the people that were at that Watertown mic were there, and they were and like I I did not. I was trying to talk, but they kept laughing, so I kept stretching the the, the silence. And that's something that I actually learned in 2018 as well, uh, how to sit in the silence. So I would say that that night in April 2018 pretty much was the turning point for the comic that I, that I am now. Because two months after that night, I got my first gig. Oh, that's great. I mean, first of all, you two years in. It took two years. Two years after I started doing it. And I never asked for a gig. I never wanted anything because I'm like, I don't want to start before I'm ready because you only get one chance to make your first good impression as a book performer. And two months after that set that I just told you about where I was on stage as myself or as close to myself as I've ever been, that was, that was a catalyst. I got a show at the art lounge in Arlington before I left, as I'm walking out the door, I get my second gig at Maggie's lounge in Quincy, rest in peace. And I went on to do 30 shows that year, 79 shows the next year, 40 Ooh. shows the next year, 65 shows the next year, 104 shows last year. And that's kind of, it all started on that night in April at Jack's Cabaret. You know, you Jack, mentioned- Can you imagine doing, I'm sorry, I just want to interject. Okay. Can you imagine hitting that level of uh, not being able to talk for two minutes? Can you imagine <laughs> yourself- Dude. Uh, as Lloyd was just talking now, I had to mute my mic so I could talk while he was talking. <laughs> just, just so I'm so afraid of not filling up the empty space. Yes. Uh, you, you mentioned Paul, who's been on the podcast. You mentioned Nick, who I've done uh, a, a book mic with. Uh, you know, uh, he, you know, my wife loves him because they're both like half Korean, and he had a bit about like you know that that with it was just nice. He's a, he's a really great guy too. Uh, sadly, I think we're I think we're going to lose uh, Nick and Paul to the great uh, state of uh, Colorado. They yeah, they're, they're headed out there, and they're taking some real talent with them. It's their plan. Uh, also, you mentioned. Connor Ferguson, who, by the way, I, I love that kid. Now, what did you do during the pandemic? Well, during the pandemic, I was, that's actually the year that I did 40 shows. 28 of them were before March 14th. <laughs> um, and then obviously like, but the pandemic was obviously the rise of this platform we're doing right now. And during the pandemic, Zoom comedy, what, 
it started with local mics that could not do their mics in person. Um, they started doing it over Zoom, places like Midway Cafe, places like uh, Rob Crane started hosting his, his Thursday, Rob Crane and actually the Comedy Studio briefly started hosting their mics online. Uh, other national, international entities started doing their mics online. And although Zoom comedy isn't for everybody as a platform, and I get that, the issue is like the networking that was possible during the Zoom comedy era, regardless of how you felt about performing during a time where you could not be in front of a live audience, the networking was unbelievable. And anybody who said that online comedy cannot have any impact on your actual career is lying. Because Steve Sweeney first heard me online, had never seen me live, got my phone number from Old Dirty Boston, and was on the phone with me after seeing me twice, wondering why I had not done clubs yet. Hmm. Just from seeing me online. Will Noonan saw me online for the first time during the pandemic, saw me for the first time online during the pandemic and was like, I want that guy at Capo. Never saw me live, just, just on Zoom. Uh, based, I got my first gig in New York City based on Zoom uh, two years ago. Uh, Michelle Sloman, who is a booker in New York, saw me on Zoom. It was like, if you ever come to New York City, actually, if you want to just come to New York City and, and do a spot, please, please come. Uh, Sue Costello, who I've been a fan of since I was a little kid, she first caught when I, I don't even, she actually found me. Sue, okay, this is a bit of a sidebar from the pandemic. She first saw me do comedy during the pandemic. She was like, I want you on one of my shows. But Sue Costello reached out to me in February of 2020 and was asking me for advice on local talent. Hmm. Sue Costello, yeah, TV star, comic that was doing this before I was even born, didn't reach out to Justin McKinney, didn't reach out to freaking Dave Russo, didn't reach out to this, but he reached out. I didn't, I didn't even know, I don't know how, like, I don't know how Sue Costello knew who the hell, I didn't know Sue Costello knew who I was before. Like I knew, I knew who Sue Costello was, obviously. I was sitting here watching, watching, watching Costello as a little kid on Fox. She inboxes me out of nowhere in February. And I'm like, how the hell does Sue Costello? And then again, Steve Sweeney saw me doing comedy during the pandemic. I meet him in person during an old Dirty Boston podcast with Jason and, and Big D and Dan Hall and I walk in, Steve Sweeney's like, Lloyd Legacy Sharp, big fan. And I'm like, what kind of role reversal is this? <laughs> so during the pandemic, I had the opportunity to network like crazy. And there are spots waiting for me as of right now. There are people waiting to work with me in Florida, in Nebraska, <laughs> in There the are UK. 50 states, aren't there? You know, you got to take all of them in. You got to take them all in. I mean, I, 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 it is, traveling is a goal, but like, the pandemic got eyes on me from some key spots around the world that would not have been possible or at least possible during that time if not for the the comedy networking that Zoom kind of forced us to have. So long story short, during the pandemic, I pretty much just did as much Zoom comedy as possible. It's like, oh, you'll never do anything for your career and you'll never get anywhere from Zoom comedy. You're just wasting your fucking time. 
And uh, those people have not done shows in New York based on Zoom comedy. Eh, that's what I was basically doing, expanding my networking during the pandemic. It's the only thing we really could do for about eight months of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense that, that you you would want to branch out and do your stuff online so that more people can see because everybody's online now it's not like mm -hmm. you know the early 2010s or whatever where people were like what's youtube and what who are these people and that kind of thing where no it's it's been normalized and the pandemic kind of forced everybody in the world to get online more and, and now there are online shows that still run today like i just did one earlier this afternoon called uh i think it was called speaking proper comedy something like that that like it was on twitch it was on zoom there was an audience of like 50 people which is more than some comedy co in comedy rooms in real life get <laughs> on a given night um there's a market for it and i still do zoom mics i still do zoom comedy i do it i, I, I do it in real life stuff and but the pandemic really kind of set in motion for those who were willing to give it a chance because I understand it's not for everybody. This platform, speaking like this, if you're just so much addicted to the to the live spectacle and you cannot bring yourself to at least, I, I told everybody, try it. You may not be able to properly transition your act to the camera. And you know what? If you can't do that, I get it. Because if you can't transition your act to the camera, you're gonna present a version of yourself that isn't as good as it would be if you could. And that's probably not the version of yourself that you want to present to an audience that could that could that are running rooms in California and Texas and all this. But at least try it. And those who tried it, some of them grew to love it. Some of them couldn't do it. Some of them just it just you just could. But the ones that needed didn't even give it a chance. I think they missed out. I mean, it is harder to score coke backstage on a Zoom meeting. But, you know, <laughs> um, I get that. Uh, it, it, yeah, no, I, I would listen to like Patton Oswald, and he recently was talking about it took him. It took him three or four months to figure out how to be funny in this platform because like the first few dozen things he was doing, he's just in a room and he's not hearing anything back. He's like, I don't know if it's landing. I don't know if I'm pausing for laughter or people just think I'm stroking out and I'm sitting here not it's saying like when anything. Rodney Dangerfield first did Caddyshack. He's like, nobody's laughing at my jokes. It's like, Rodney, um, <laughs> we're doing a movie here. We can't laugh. <laughs> no, and I, I've not I've not had, you know, somebody talk to me on this podcast or in real life where they've been like, yeah, I killed it in comedy or, you know, over this. So it's absolutely wonderful. But of course, you know I mean, like I've been saying, you're the most positive, uplifting person. You put so much positivity out there. Yeah, you're going to get that back. Um, seriously, Lloyd, that is amazing. And Let's segue into well. First of all, how many how many gigs do you think you're going to do in this calendar year? Do you um, have a goal? Goal. Goal versus expectation. That's a good distinction. Um, like I said, I did um, I did 104 shows last year, which is the most I'd ever done in a year up to this point, and I get a lot of pats on the back for that. Which you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to undersell it, but 2022 is the first year that we had open completely from you know from bell to bell, so to speak, since the lock me lockdown opened in the middle of 2000. Lockdown 
not the pandemic, because that that lasted a little longer, but lockdown itself ended in the middle of 2021. So that wasn't really a full calendar year we had open. 2022 was the first calendar year from bell to bell that we had open. And I was just, I'm more thankful that there was 102 opportunities to do comedy, given how hard businesses and live entertainment and venues were hit. I was just, and some of the shows were on Zoom. They were shows, so I counted them. Or at least I had them written down as shows. And I wouldn't even know how many shows I did if it wasn't for Google, just tallying everything. But this year, I don't know. I don't really, I don't have a, I never had a, I never have a, a tally goal for a year. Like 2019 is the first year that I, I had, I did 79 shows in 2019, which is a huge jump from 30 the previous year, which is the first year I ever did book shows. And I learned that year, burnout is a thing. <laughs> I learned that in 2000, like the, the most successful comics at this level. I mean, unless, unless you're somebody like Brianna Woodward or Sherilyn or Jaylene Tran or AJ Haypenny who could just go, 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 go. And they, they may, they may feel it, but you'll, you'll never be able to tell. Um, they play through like, the pain. I, I don't, like, I'm never going to tell. I have, cause like, I'm always a self-care well-being first kind of person. I, 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 I would rather like right now, like in the month of June, I'm doing, I, I'm pretty sure I have somewhere in the vein of tw- 20 or more shows this month. Ooh. And I have, I have turned down, like I got offered, I've got, I got offered opportunities to perform uh, one of two of three extra days in June. And I said, no, I, I took the July options because there's a certain cap to where what, what looks good on a, on a poster calendar Oh, he's, he's doing three nights in a row, four nights this week. Well, well, it looks good on a post calendar. What you don't see is when a person goes home and. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you're, I not, don't a, you're not a, you're not a bike being rented. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. you're a person who needs rest. And, right. Yeah. So I, so for that reason, I don't want to put it. I don't have a tally goal. How many shows do I think I'll do this year? I've already done close to. I think I've already done close to or just over like 40 so far, uh, maybe close to 50. I have to I have to look at Google to tell me in two months. So like if I if I match my if I met, if I equal my 2019 output, I'll be grateful. Like I am not actively trying to surpass 104 shows. I, I I'm not if, if I do great. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying I wouldn't welcome that, but like, as much as I had a banner year last year, there were a lot of people that I felt were deserving either as or more deserving than I was of the opportunities that I got. And I'm seeing a lot of those people on the posters as much as I was last year. And I'm actually having more fun this year watching people who I felt were overlooked last year while I was out there having my 96 bulls year. Um, <laughs> now I'm, I'm seeing people who I felt were, were, were too far to the, to the, to the off the bench. They're having like, like people like just a couple of names like Jacqueline wall and, and Julie Cameron and, um, and Kristen Tedos and, you know, people who I, there's, there's so many, there's a lot of names, but like people like that, Nick, Nick Hahn is one of them. People who I thought were just like, they like, 
not that I didn't deserve what I got, but I just felt like there were so many times where I, where I was the cleanup hitter, so to speak. Somebody would go out there and just, just say the worst thing and then double down on that thing and go over their time and leave. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here to bring us back, here's Lloyd Legacy Sharp. And it's like, you know, <laughs> if this person or this person or this person who actually has talent and actually knows what the fuck you're doing, if they were on this show, it'd be even, I, I, yeah, I, I bring whatever I bring to it. Cool. You need, you need a community of talented people in order to have a, I cannot be on every single show and every single slot across New England every single night. <laughs> And you need a talented pool of comedians, quality comedians that can, that you can have, there were just, there were just so many, there were so many people who, who were like, it's not about, it's, it's about us to a degree, but like when, when you're putting on a show, like it doesn't matter, you don't matter, you're trying to entertain an audience. Like it's about the audience in front of you. They they are here to get a quality show, and you need to have people across a lineup who can be quality, and so that from from the start, from the first comic until the last one, it was at least ninety percent worth it. And my only issue with last year, and it's the reason why I don't have I don't really have a tally this year because last year was my best year personally, but I was on not every lineup, but I was on a lot of lineups that. I said this to Corey Saunders, who's one of my favorite comics, who's now living in the New Jersey, New York area. But I said, if I'm your, in a world where people like Josh Day, people like Jada Mule, people like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kelly McFarlane, people like, like, like uh, Kathy Ferris, people like Katie Arroyo, people like, you know, freaking People like, you know, Jay Whitaker, people like Jason Cordova, people like Tookie Kavanaugh, Zenobia Delmar, Brianna Woodward, in a world where they exist, if I'm the best you've got, you could be doing better. Not that I'm not good. Not that I'm not good. But I'm, like I said, if, if, if you could draft anybody and you bring on, I don't know, uh, if you bring, you bring in Ray Allen. Okay, yeah, you got Ray Allen. That's great. But if you could have Ray Allen, Michael Jordan, Reggie Miller, Willis Reed, and Walt Frazier, and you only have Ray Allen, you could be putting together a better lineup. So last year, 104 shows. It was great for me. Bittersweet watching the scene. I have no tally this year. I'll take whatever I've earned, and I will be happy with it. But I'm more happy seeing talented people getting what they've worked for the same way I did last year. Well, I mean, you, is, is there, is there a, you've mentioned like different places around the country who want to see you. We've had a few people that Joe and I really like um, who are our new England based comics, but who are national people. You're on that level. When, when do you get a national booker? When do you do the cruise ship things? When do you do the, you know, you're living out of a suitcase because you're that level talent. Um, who I, I, sh I shouldn't see you at an open mic in Watertown, uh, you know, uh, on, on a random Sunday night. I shouldn't see you at Blackstone's at Ian's mic. Delighted to see you. I, and, and that's why, honestly, that's why the room's like, what the fuck? Lloyd's here? I, I'm here. If, if Lloyd's here and I'm here, it's like, you know, is he just working new stuff? Because I, I mean, do you not have a passport? Like, why aren't why aren't you 
doing because you What's are the matter that with level you? talent. Yeah. What's the matter? <laughs> you you are that level talent. Like, like you are cheating the rest of the country out of seeing you in person, my friend. Well, to be fair, a lot of the traveling comic plans I had got sidetracked during a year where things weren't really moving all that much. And a lot of us had to kind of, and myself included, had to kind of re restructure, restraint, rethink, re-strategize. A lot of the financial, I mean, a lot of the financial, um, a lot of the financial backing that I was going to put towards traveling, I had to put towards the home during that time. Um, especially my when my father getting into finally starting to get medical care for the first time in like 30 years, which has done well for him. He's doing well, but like. I don't want to say like basically the answer to that question is everything except comedy. Okay. I don't, and I also don't want to oversell myself because like I'm talent wise, I may be at a certain level, but I also know my limits. I'm not a night to night headline act yet. When it comes to length, when it comes to how many minutes I can go tight. Right night after night after night like i i'm a 25 minute type guy on certainty i may be able to go 30 and i'm gonna and that's gonna get tested this next month in shirley massachusetts but like i have i've watched headliners i i was in a headline spot once in, Ips, in ipswich massachusetts for one of marlia rosa's shows the first show she ever did at the mayflower and I also did 50 minutes opening for a band for Porch Fest in Melrose like two years ago. Those are the longest sets I've ever done. And when you're in that position, like I've watched, I've, I, I was at Cityside four years ago and I watched a headline act from BET come to Cityside and struggle to hold the room after 40 minutes while having to do 20 more. Oh. So like there's, and again, BET, like this is like, I am not, I, I'm good. I'm good. I am not. I, I am not. I've been on television for 30 years and been doing this shit since Jay Leno was making bad jokes about women in the 90s. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that level. So and I, I'm not dismissing where I am from a talent perspective, but having watched headliners. So I guess, I guess I'm, I'm a fan first, performer second. I spent more time watching headliners in my first three or four years than I did beginning booked before until I started getting booked. And so I started getting put on shows. I spent more time watching and analyzing and assessing how things work. And I've seen the headliners job. I've seen headliners who, again, who are more experienced than I am, who are, who are better than I am. And I'm not saying I'm not good. I'm just, I just know who's better. And I've been in the headlining position. I've, I've been in the headlining position of once, and I've been in the almost do an hour for a show once. And when, you're, when you've seen it and then you're there, you kind of know. It's not as easy as you would like it to be for your own position. I'm already starting to break into New York a little bit. I did my first show in New York last year. I did my, I'm doing another show in New York on June 20th. I'm, there are mics that I'm, that I'm, you know, that I'm picking at and I'm targeting. Like there's mics in Philadelphia, there's mics in Virginia, there's mics in Atlanta, there's mics in California, there's mics in Texas that I'm, I'm eyeing. And that people who I know who either were in Boston and moved there or people who work with me online said, you know, if you ever come over here, you know, let me know. 
So really it's it's I'm, I could I can easily slot into a feature spot anywhere in the country. I'm I'm not denying that. And that's why that's why I'm not, you know, that's why the reasons why I haven't gone on a national tour yet is pretty much because the pandemic really set things back. Because after the pandemic, after a lockdown, because again, the pandemic, in my opinion, the pandemic is just starting to go out the door. Lockdown ended two years ago. The pandemic is, is just starting. So lockdown. After lockdown, I had to find my, my way on stage, on a stage again, the way I did prior to lockdown. But I also have... Um, like there are 400 bullet points of material that I've yet to do live on a microphone. Wow. And one of the things that people that you mentioned earlier, you know, is he doing new stuff? Yeah. Because one of the things that comes about when you're always on shows and you're always doing shows and you're always on book shows where you have to bring your A game material, you have no time to work out new stuff and write new stuff and or or work out the new stuff that you've written. Like that, that bit that I did in Watertown that you were so impressed by. I wrote that. That happened in 2017. The story it's based on. I, I wrote it as a bullet point in 2019. And I didn't get to perform it live until 2022. Wow. Why? Because I was on so many fucking shows. <laughs> right. Right. No, I mean, it, 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 that, it, look, that is the great thing about open mics. Like, you know, it's, it, in a Boston area, in a Los Angeles area, how many headline people you'll see. Look, this is the only way to work out new shit. You don't work that shit out on a headlining 45-minute set. Nobody's nobody's wanting you to double-check looking at a card saying, okay, well, hey, bear with me. I I, I think I got this one down, but let's uh, let, let me try it out on you. Um, exactly. And that's that's – I guess that's part of – that would be the most comedy-based reason why I haven't branched out as much as I could because after 2021 – or during 2021, before I had before I had that ridiculous year that I had last year, I had a chance to try things that I had written because I write I write 12 to 15 jokes a day or bullet points a day at least. So there's a there's, there's a huge backlog of stuff that I've not done. I, I, I'm gonna get I'm ten, 10 years from now. I'll have done half the stuff that I've written down right now. Because I'm because because I'm because I'm writing twelve to fifteen new jokes every single day. I can't wait so. it, it, until you know twenty thirty three to hear your succession joke. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy, I, I I I should start watching Succession. <laughs> but like the thing is like so like partly because I've been so focused on I've been I've been as focused as a person who was on as many shows as I was last year could be on developing new stuff and like. If I hadn't put a certain focus to, I, I had to, 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 re, when 2020, in 2020, I had plans to do mics in New York, do mics in Philly, do mics in Virginia, do mics in my, my friend, Rob in Texas, who's been trying to get me to visit him for years. You know, you sent me like a, a, a mic directory of, of it. I had all these plans to do this in 2020. 2020 would have been the year that at least, in a sense of checking out other scenes, whether it be just doing mics, maybe every two months, do a mic in a new state, build build a rapport, get to know get to know people, get to know the layout, 
2020 was going to be the year that you just described that I should be doing now. But because that didn't happen, my focus had to shift to other things in the home, on the microphone, in the notebook. And again, I'm not saying that I'm not good enough to like Rena Calm. Rena Calm is a perfect example of a comic right now who's literally living out of her suit, but she's a headliner. She's a headline act who can make it worth her while to live out of her suitcase and get paid maybe 100 to 300 uh, bucks a show for doing 45 to an hour every time she's on stage. Um, and, and, I, and I admire her for that. I know that's not where I am time-wise yet. I, will, I wanna travel out, I wanna branch out, but until I am a headline act who can do 40 to an hour on a nightly basis, like not just once, not just twice, not just three times, enough to where living out of my suitcase is going to not just make it worth my while, but to ensure that not just the, not just a crowd that I, that I got that I got on my side in Maine or a crowd that I got on my side in Connecticut, to make sure that when I go to Washington, D.C., or I go to Seattle, Washington, or I do Just for Laughs in Toronto, or I do Kim Nash's show in the U.K., when I get to, those, to that point where I can also make it worth those crowds' time, guaranteed, then I'll live out of my suitcase. But before that, I'm going to go test out the mics and get some feature spots there to see how I do out there. And then maybe one day living out of my suitcase, as opposed to just traveling there and coming back will make sense. Now let's say that's, you're so smart and methodical about your approach. I absolutely I love that. No, I, I, you, you, you get you got home front responsibilities, you know, and that's, you know, some of the comics we've talked about, you know, like, you know, Paul going with his group of friends out to Denver. None of them are tied down or have taken care of a parent or have like somebody that, you know, uh, uh, that they're dependent on in any way. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the time to go, you know, other comics we've had, you know, um, you know, Steve Bjork, who's one of my favorite comics and, and, and you know, Joe you know, and another just a sweetheart guy. He's a single dad of four kids. He makes a great living. He just, he can't do the, you know, Jim Colton going on a cruise ship once a month type thing. So people have that. I want to segue into I know very little about this side of your world other than seeing it on Instagram. You're not just a comic. You're sure. you're, you're on stage. And and other walks of life, which I'd like you to tell everybody about, if you, if you could dive into that. Yeah. So um, for those of you who follow me on Instagram at LoyalLegacy617, uh, you might have seen that there's, an, there's a karaoke alter ego of mine that has been popular for about seven years, but for some reason is, re- is really starting to catch traction now that I'm seven years older and six steps slower. Um, I'm a Michael Jackson tribute artist in my, when I'm not doing comedy. <laughs> um, it's weird because that, 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 that goes back. Like I started doing the Michael Jackson dance style for exercise in 1994, uh, when I was living in Dorchester, uh, actually last year I lived in Dorchester because Dorchester in the 90s wasn't great. And in order to kind of have something to do that was not what other kids my age, and if we're being completely honest and transparent, 
of my uh, cultural distinction similarity were doing at that time. Uh, I just, whenever I went outside, I just, <coughs> I just danced. And I became somewhat of a street performer. Um, by the time I went to Roxbury, I would do Michael Jackson on it. I'm just doing it for myself, really. And then kids from the neighborhood would come out and say, oh my God, Lloyd, he's doing Michael Jackson. Cars would pull up, you know, cars driving up Warren's uh, Cliver Street in, in Roxbury. <coughs> they would, um, they would stop. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm, 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 a, I'm a little kid in Roxbury. I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? And like, no, no, just, just keep doing what you were doing. So I keep dancing and, you know, and then, then they would say, hey kid, come on over here, you know, <laughs> adult in the car in the 90s kid come here what can yeah. go wrong i'm a gruff yeah, and dog would have a word with you about going to a, a car exactly but what, but what happened is they'd pull out five dollars ten dollars sometimes twenty dollars and just give it to me nice. just for me doing my exercises on the streets of roxbury so and it's at in its in its in a, in its in its most simplified form. That's the that's where what you're seeing. That's what where what um what Jocks is talking about. That's where it started. Twenty years later, actually wait, twenty yeah, twenty years later because I I, think, I have to remember we're in two, we're in the twenties now. We're in the roaring twenties. So, <laughs> um, twenty years later, I am living this newfound life that I've lived since 2014, and I happen to stumble across a place in New Hampshire called. Charlie's Tap House, which is on Ocean Boulevard in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. Great pizza. You should check it out. And this is a karaoke place. They do karaoke 27, 24 hours, 20, 20, no, seven days a week, 20, 365 days a year. They don't do it 24 hours. I wish they did 24 hours a day. That'd be great. But they do it like all the time. And the crew that I met Jay DeMule as a part of, you know, before I started doing comedy, you know, a lot of friends, I have a lot of, here's a sentence I don't, people don't say, who look at me don't say very often. I have a lot of friends in the New Hampshire area. <laughs> and they all did, you know, we don't all get to see each other very often. You know, we're all adults, which sucks. We all have responsibilities, which sucks even more. Some of them are parents, which is the worst. I respect it. I just don't envy it. And the only opportunity we really had to kind of all, you know, we, we can't hang out in each other's houses like we could, you know, we, we, were, we were all like, you know, teenagers, nothing better to do. We all come, let me hang out at your house, man. You know, we all got things to do. But the one place we could always kind of hang out and see each other or plan ahead, you know, let's all get together at Charlie's, catch up, say hi, whatever, before we don't see get to see each other again for like a year. Uh, so that's where this whole thing started. I started, I did... I used to be known for doing the doors and Billy Joel and things like that. And then one day I did You Rock My This video is actually on my Facebook. One day I I did You Rock My World and I started doing some dancing from my Roxbury days during this song and the owner of Charlie's Chap House whose name was Chuck ironically. Hmm. Um said like he's in the back and he's like that that, that kid's got some he's got some performance he's, he's got some performance he got he's got he's got a performer in at least Look, look at how the rooms get, look at how the rooms gathering around them. Look, we should encourage that. That, that kid's got something. That kid's, it's, it's, like, it's like Dave Radigan all over again. And then, so for the next few months, the head DJ, uh, Ben Kelly, love him. Uh, the former head bartender, whose name was Jess, they were kind of like, you know, you should, you know, don't be afraid to get up there and, you know, perform if you want to, you know, do your thing. You know, you're, you're you could, 
you could really become like a, like an attraction around here. And I'm like, don't, don't, ex no, don't, don't exalt me. I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I come to do karaoke like everybody else. I am, I know how silly it sounds in hindsight, but I said, I'm no different than anybody else up there, which is what I said at the time before the suit, before all that. I just, I'm like, cause yeah, I may be more of a performer and an entertainer than your regular karaoke person who just kind of stands there and which, which is, you know, that's what karaoke is. Not, not everybody that goes up there has to do what I do, but I didn't want special treatment just because I had, just because I'm a flair for the theatrics. Just because I'm, just, I'm, a, I'm a theater kid without the degree. I don't want to be treated differently. My mother wanted to send me to freaking acting school in 1991, but we were, uh, we were living under the, we were recovering from the Reagan administration as a black family. So it didn't happen. But now we're at this point where here comes October, 2017 costume contest at Charlie's tap house. The head DJ comes to me and says, you know, we want you to compete in the, in the, in the, in the costume contest. Uh, we, we think you do great. Now, they've already been trying to push me into this attraction position for the last nine months. So I'm already like, I'm like, oh, oh, well, gee, Ben, what, what per se, what costume do you have for me? Well, it's, we got a hat. <laughs> we got a sparkle. I'm like, Ben, I told you I don't want it. And I'm like, not that, boy. It's not that. We just want you to compete in the contest. We think you think you'll have fun. And I'm like, are you sure that's all you want? That's all we want, Lloyd. I, I, I swear to you. Yeah. Now, obviously, I was right to think that what they were trying to do was to get me in front of a crowd in this garb doing what I do so that I could see for myself that it would get over. And therefore, I would not have a, and I would enjoy it because I see that they're enjoying it. And if they're enjoying it, I won't feel like I'm being exalted. I'll feel like I'm contributing to people having a good time, which as an entertainer is, if you're not, if you don't care more about yourself than the people you're entertaining is why you do what you do. But we hadn't gotten to that point yet. I'm just like, I don't want to be exalted. I'm not that special. So we do the, the karaoke, no, actually before the karaoke contest, a week before it, October, 2017, I'm trying on the suit. I'm trying to this By the way, let me just interject for a moment. Um, which suit? Because I'm gonna, I'm guessing smooth criminal, uh, Michael Jackson, <laughs> or is this uh, like what? Which suit is are we talking about? So the suit, this suit in question isn't this. This first incarnation of it was the soldier jacket, okay, or as some people call it, the Sergeant Pepper jacket. Whatever, right. whatever the, you want to call it. But like, Josh, show show him a video on Instagram. He'll he'll see it. Okay. Um. But long, long story short, basically, he gives me the outfit and I'm going to I'm trying it on. Like, I'm, th this isn't the night where I'm going to do it. This is the costumes in six days. I'm just I'm just I'm just trying it on. My name gets called. Which does not seem which is just coincidentally completely random as I'm trying the suit when I'm <laughs> four songs later in the rotation. I'm not, this is not where I go up. I saw the screen. I'm not up until four songs from now. There are three people supposed to go before me. Two of them are better singers than I am. But as I'm trying on the suit, Lloyd, make your way to the stage. I'm like, white people, what are you doing to me? And so I go up there, not completely put together. The soldier jacket is on, but like, I'm, I'm in a, like, I'm just, I'm not as put together, but I'm like, all right, my name's called. I'm going to go do it. 
my friend Nikki caught the entire thing on video. The entire not official debut of Michael Legacy Jackson. Now, as I, I'm thinking, we haven't even gotten to, to October 28th where it happened, where it is six days prior. I'm already thinking this isn't going to go over. This is not going to work. This is going to be done. This is going to go over about as well as a Shockmaster. This is going to do as well as a Kiss concert on Nitro. This is not going to work. And you people are going to feel dumb for making me feel like the, you, you, you Vince Russo freaking motherfuckers. You think you're brilliant. But what you're really doing is you're taking a million dollar idea and putting it into a two cent pot. It's not going to work. <laughs> That's what I was going to tell them on on Saturday, you know, the weekend. Of, but first, here I go. They call me up. I do it. The place loses their mind huh. i'm not even fully huh. i'm not i don't even the hair is on backwards the the, the, the like nothing but i do the performance and i'll send you the video the video of the not official michael Lack, michael debut the place loses their mind and i'm walking off the stage and ben kelly's looking at me like <laughs> it doesn't mean they're gonna like it that one night one night hey hey anything can work on one night yeah, you know, you know, you know what was popular on one night? Republican politics. That was, that was popular <laughs> on one night. And I'm saying that as a centrist. Not everything lasts for for years, you know. <laughs> and so here comes October 28th. I get up there first night as this act. The place goes insane. Like everything I'm doing is just it's like it's it, it it takes off that night. And I'm like, you know, this this is gonna last a week. This is not even going to last a week. Now, I'm right. It didn't last a week. It lasted seven years. But the thing is, that night, I became, that's how it started. I did something, again, like everything I do, this, the, 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 the comedy, the, the legacy tour hashtag, which is not supposed to be a thing. I said it once, and people started saying it, and I had to go with it. <laughs> you the, seem to have, like, showbiz thrust upon you. Look, <laughs> I'm just here to see the show. I'm just here as a patron. I came yes! for a slice of pizza, and now here I am putting on a Michael Jackson soldier costume. Exactly. Why am I doing this? Exactly. I go to a comedy mic to watch comedy. Yeah, you got to be a comedian. I go to a karaoke thing to do karaoke. Yeah, you got to be Michael Jackson. Like, Sir, like, hold this microphone and talk into it for 10 minutes, please. <laughs> Don't my, go to a proctologist's office anytime soon no, exactly. and, and just be my, hanging around. My my cousin Katrina said it best. When she said this in 1993, Lloyd, you have all the potential to be a star, but none of the desire to be a star, which is a fair assessment. But the Michael Jackson thing basically it started that night. And I I enjoy, once I saw that people enjoyed it, I felt better about it because I felt like I wasn't being exalted above other karaoke performers, people actually enjoyed it. People actually were into it. People would come to Charlie's Tap House on, like from other states, like they would come from Connecticut, they would come from Rhode Island, they would come from Maine to New Hampshire on nights I was there just to see me. Uh, there was a family one time there, like two little girls and a mom, and they saw me in the garb and they were like, oh my God, are you like Michael Jackson? And, and I, I did. <laughs> and like, they had to go back to Florida Again, that's that name again. They had to go to Florida. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Exactly. But they were going to Florida during a time period where they there was a there was a tragedy in their family. And the mother took time to tell me this. Like, you know, we may never be able to come back here again. It was a tragedy in our family. We have to go back to Florida tomorrow. But I need you to know that you made my two little girls entire life. Thank you so much. <laughs> and it's like there was that. There was 
like the third night that I did in 2017, there was a um, there was a there was a there was a little there was a little guy little little boy with like with, with Down syndrome, um, who who was what who like they saw me do like I think I did rock with you like that night, and according to the staff, like my friend Nikki like called me over and said, Lloyd, you gotta come come see this this guy, you know he's he's that's a, apparently his he showed more emotion apparently in his, in his body language and his face when he saw me do rock with you, then according, again, I don't know the guy, I just saw him, but according to people that were around him, he showed more emotion in his body language and his face that night than he had shown in five years. That, and I mean, I'm that's like, magic. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> maybe it's not as, maybe, I, maybe I need to loosen up to the idea of being exalted and just be, go with the fact that people enjoy it. So it started in 2017. It was a reoccurring thing in New Hampshire. I did it at Midway of the Highways open mic on Halloween night, 2021. who is, is, it, is like every Thursday at Midway, there's, a, there's karaoke nights called Queerioke. It's a very inclusive and, and friendly space for people in that community. I've always considered myself an ally to that community. I've tried to be. So, but I, so that, was, you know, that was kind of a natural fit there. The 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 head the people who run the karaoke mic and and DJs they saw the video of me doing it at the comedy open mic for Halloween, and I said as a joke, "Wow, this could be a great place for Michael Legacy Jackson to do some work." And the karaoke people saw that and said, "Yes, please do." I'm like, oh. <laughs> Dude, Lloyd, that's I'm uh Lloyd, I, I'm going I'm going to uh to wrap this episode up by saying. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for your first of many of many podcasts with Joe. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> our, our our other our, our friend Biff, who is our other sidekick, he lives in Los Angeles, but he is in Phoenix right now playing a, an annual hockey tournament. This this is the first time I'm not playing in a long time um mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm saying this is the first of many shows which much like your 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 michael jackson and your comedy you're not being given a choice this isn't right. a you're hey, just being roped into another goddamn <laughs> obligation this is fair i mean <laughs> for, for, for everything for everything that you that you've mentioned to me like offline that you want to get into like you know where i come from and how things came to be it's it's probably going to take multiple podcasts, so I I get that. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't I wasn't talking as a guest. I'm talking as uh, you're going to be a co-host going forward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you are just literally like delightfully and infectious. You you are as good a person as you are talented, and I'm hoping to do stuff with you because I am like Joe, one of those poor bastards who you know have kids. Uh, and in both our cases, we happen to really like our significant another our you know our, our management aka our wives and stuff so i only get to get out i shouldn't say i only get to go out like you know last night i took my kid and his two best friends to the revs new england revolution soccer game and nice. how much fun that they because yeah he's a he wasn't a sports kid he fell down the rabbit hole of, of soccer and it's his life and it's like i couldn't have been happier seeing how happy he was but i like 
to see like you know i like to see comedy i'm hoping to do stuff with you over the next year selfishly because i can only get out so many times i'd like to, to be able to see you more because you are one of the people that i'm like yeah i would drive an hour just to see this guy on a night that i'm not doing it there's just only so many days um we are uh i i'm going to post all your socials all the ways to follow you uh, legally not going to give the home address right ah, we'll see we'll see about that um well, what i will ask before we close up is this may i come back on this show at some point to address some of the other things that we didn't get to tonight that you've mentioned offline that you wanted to you know discuss with me 100 percent, because i i mean you haven't come from a charmed existence you know you've worked amazingly no i mean you what what what, what do you suffer from oh a lack of white privilege uh, and, <laughs> and, and 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 so and 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 again you're one of these people who have fought so hard to make other people's lives so much better yet the road that you've traveled hasn't been the easiest one at the same time i want to do a whole episode where you explain the whole billy joel fascination because yeah. he, he 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 posted online you know when he went out to madison square garden joe to see billy joel and when he mentioned that and his set at at donovan's the host afterwards says did you really go to new york to, and he, oh is that part of a bit <laughs> Hey, Billy Joel's the man. What are you talking about? <laughs> but he, he didn't I didn't strike uh I didn't strike him as a Billy Joel type. <laughs> uh-huh. we, uh, we we're reading between the lines here. We know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So so it's uh so no, I mean seriously, you're not you're an onion where every layer we peel back, there's gonna be some more depth and tears involved. So uh you 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 are a fascinating human being, and like I said, we've eaten up way too much of your time because I don't uh what's this my notes. Uh, ever shut the fuck up it says right here <laughs> but Lloyd, we're going to post all the stuff uh we're, you know there's you know we will also put it in the description of any uh bigger shows like you said you have one coming up in shirley mass uh mm-hmm. coming up you got a show is that the june 20th show that you were talking about or is there another june 20th oh, show june 20th is new york city new york city um, okay new york shirley city. mass Shirley Mass is on June June sixteenth. I'm going to be doing a thirty minute set for the first time ever, so it's kind of a big deal. Um, Lloyd, I I cannot say thank you enough for uh just lighting up every room that I've seen you in, and for just bringing so much positivity into the world and for coming on our humble podcast. And this podcast uh, needs. Sorely needs positivity because I mean I am the anti you. It's not I'm not against <laughs> you. I am like the opposite. I'm like the what you know like unbreakable. You know, you're like, Mr. Glass. Uh, yeah, I'm Mr. Glass. I'm like the Mr. Glass of you. I'm I'm very um very dour, very uh, bitter. I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a good speaker yet. I've been doing a podcast for six years. <laughs> um, well, but to be fair, a lot of what I was going through and mentioning it took a, it t- it took some rambling and a lot of explaining for me to get through a lot of it. So I thank you guys for being as. But you think you think Jocks talked a lot. I had to <laughs> ramble for ever just to make certain things clear and concise. So thanks for bearing with me as well. Our pleasure. Um, yeah, we will post everything where you could find you and uh, like enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend. 
Thank you. I'm going to watch the NXT pay-per-view with my father, which happens to be taking place at this moment in Lowell, Massachusetts. Uh, yes. <laughs> oh, you should. Uh, uh, well, by the way, you ever think of like maybe emceeing like uh, like a like a wrestling thing? Like, one, like oh my goodness, like a dream yes. thing. You know, like I don't know. I mean, not that wrestling's big time, even though there is big time wrestling. Hey, um, yeah, there is. I met I met Jerry the King Lawler there. Yeah. <laughs> see, but I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if that. I, I've never. I don't. Been... I don't have the stroke to get myself in a position like that. But mm-hmm. if I was ever offered the opportunity, I would not immediately turn it down. Like you could that. see yourself in that position someday, yeah. maybe like emceeing. You know, I, I have. I have been. All, I have been. It, the idea has been teased for me to either do ring announcing or commentary on more than one occasion, but it never came to pass. Mm. We'll, we'll find a way to make that happen. Uh, everybody, uh, 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 <laughs> Lloyd Legacy Sharp. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Do kids deserve to be subjected to whatever the hell's going on out there? They didn't ask for this. Go ahead, have your kid in the 10 years. Find out how they felt dealing with overpriced health care, divisive politics, and the existence of people who thought that the human centipede wasn't that bad. <laughs> All I'm saying is, before you have children, think of the children. <laughs> Which, again, I don't have it. I'm helping. <laughs> Three more years, I'll be the perfect candidate for the Ford Rovers as equal. <laughs> We're back. He's black. He's kept all of us happy.